Luke chapter 11, this is what the Bible says. Now it came to pass, as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. So he said to them, when you pray, say, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. I'm gonna ask you to go to Exodus chapter three. Exodus chapter three. Today's sermon title is Hallowed Be Thy Name. Hallowed Be Thy Name. Literally just means holy is your name. One translation, or uh, I guess commentary, many would call it, the Message Bible, says this in that line where it says, hallowed be thy name. It says this, it says, reveal who you are. Because everything that God is, is wrapped up in his name. And we're gonna talk about that today. Exodus chapter three, verse one. The Bible says, now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro's father-in-law, the priest of Midian, he led the flock to the back of the desert and came to Orb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of a bush. So he looked and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. See, this is how you can tell if God is calling you. Sometimes we get, there, a fire gets lit, but it, but it, it goes out and it, it doesn't come back. But when, when God lights a fire, it doesn't go out. It just keeps burning. And what's so amazing around it is it's, it's burning so bright and so hot, but it's not burning the thing that it's burning. That's the crazy thing about this fire. And I, I even think that it applies even to the situation that Mark and Debbie are in because this church came back three times to you guys. They came at first, it was like, oh, I'm not sure. The second time was like, I don't know if it's gonna work out. And the third time it was like, this, this is a burning bush and we cannot turn the other way. We have to look and see what God is saying. Now watch what Moses says. He says, I will turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush does not burn. I guess that's what you're going, that's why you're going. I gotta see why this bush isn't, isn't burning. <laughs> so when the Lord saw, he turned aside and looked and God called him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses, he said, here I am. Then he said, do not draw near this place. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place where you stand is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. For I know their sorrows. Isn't this good news? Isn't this good news that God knows what's going on in your life and he hears your cry? Sometimes we cry out to God and we're waiting for God to respond to us and God's actually talking to our Moses. He's actually talking to our deliverer. So don't get it twisted. When you don't think God isn't listening to you or responding to you, he might not be talking to you. He might be talking to your deliverer. You might not be able to deliver yourself. You might not be able to do anything about your situation, but he's raising up somebody who can do something about the thing that you're in. So he says, I hear their sorrows, I know their sorrows, I hear their cries, so I've come down to deliver them out of the hands of the Egyptians and to bring them up from the land to a good land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to a place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. Now therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me and I've also seen the oppression which the Egyptians oppressed them with. Come now, therefore, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I? that I should go to Pharaoh 
and I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt. So he said, I will certainly be with you, and this shall be a sign to you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. Then said Moses to God, indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me, and they say to me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Moreover, God said to Moses, thus you shall say to the children of Israel, the Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial to all generations. Go and gather the elders of Israel together and say to them, the Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob has appeared to me, saying, I have surely visited you, and I have seen what is done to you in Egypt, and I have said that I will bring you out of the affliction of Egypt to the land of all of those ites. Amen. <laughs> I am that I am the Lord. Amen. Father, we thank you for your word. I ask over these next few moments, you speak very clear to us. We give you glory and honor for who you are and what you're about to say. Use me for your glory. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Hallowed be thy name. Holy is your name. Reveal who you are. Our Father in heaven, reveal who you are. Who should I say sent me? What is your name? Who are you? What is your name? I am that I am is who I am. And the Lord is my name. It's pretty interesting when you study a little bit about God's name uh, because whenever you see the word Lord in all capital letters, you know that this is his name. Uh, in Hebrew, the name had four letters, uh, the, the letters Y-H-W-H. -H. And many have pronounced that name Yahweh. You heard that before? Yahweh. The, the Jews regarded his name, hallowed be thy name. The Jews regarded his name so highly that they, they wouldn't even speak his name. So in the Bible, when you see the word Lord, that's not actually uh, the word. They, they, the, the word Lord is actually the word Adonai. They were so enamored, so in awe, so in fear, so in reverence of his name that they were afraid to say it because they were afraid they might inadvertently use it in vain. So they would say Adonai, which means my Lord. Isn't that an amazing thing? Some, some scholars teach that the Jewish people, when they would begin to write his name, they would put the, the quill down that they were writing with, they would pick up a new one, write his name, and then break it so that it was never used again. Every time they got to his name in scripture, they would repeat that process. A new quill, write it, break it, so that it was never used again. That's how much reverence they have and had for God's name. In our culture, <laughs> God's name is used flippantly and his name is abused and misused so much, so often, that it's become almost secondhand for us to when we see something scary or 
we get really excited. We, we say his name without any reverence, without any meaning, just because there's so much disrespect and dishonor for his name. Now, I'm all about a casual church experience. I'm, I'm all about, look how I'm dressed. But, but I understand why my father's generation and previous generations would, would dress to the nines when they came to church. I understand that, and I still think that you should come to church and, and give God your best. For me, this is, this is, this is, for me, this is how I show God, like, this, I'm, this is my best, bro. This is, this is what I've, this is what I can do. My best is not a suit. You don't even like me in a suit. I look bad in a suit, but I look fly in this, right? So like for me, in my, this is my best. I'm not dressing down. <laughs> this is not casual Friday. <laughs> this is my best. This, this represents my best. To, to this generation, best represents something different. But so I understand why my father's generation would, would get up in the morning and put a suit pants on and tuck their shirt, press their shirt, and they, they'd spray that stuff on it, that starch on their shirt, and get it wrinkle-free and, and, and put the suit jacket on and tie that tie just right and come into the house of God with the Bible under their arm because it was, an, it was, it was important to them and it was reverence to them. And I just wonder sometimes in our casual world, if we treat God casually and then we wonder where has the power gone he says well maybe if you would truly reverence my name again if if my name would become hallowed among you again if it would become holy among you again if it wouldn't be something you use to swear and to and when you get excited and when you see something crazy but if you would use it in reverence and in honor and not in vain then maybe maybe it would its meaning it, its its designation its power would come back. It's not that its power has left, it's that our reverence has left. And, and, and Jesus said it like this in the New Testament. He said, why do you call me Lord and don't do what I say? So, so, so you know my name, but you don't honor my name. He would say in the, in the Old Testament, these people are they, they, they call my name out from their lips. And in their lips, it seems like they're close to me, but their hearts are far from me. So whenever you came to this name in, 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 their, in, the, in the reading from the Jewish people, uh, they would pronounce the word again, Adonai. And the English versions have basically followed this same pattern. And they, they translate this word, uh, Yahweh with the word Lord in all caps, and it occurs 6,828 times in the Old Testament. It's more than three times as often as the simple word for God. So there's a difference in the Bible when it uses the word God, which is Elohim, there's, that's 2,600 times. So what God is trying to show us specifically is that he, he aims to be known not just as a deity that is afar off, but as a specific person with a name that carries his unique character and mission. God is all about names. He's all about names so much so that when he wanted to do something unique and significant in someone's life, he would change their name. 
He came to Abram and he changed his name to Abraham. And you might think, wow, that's a really simple change, but it's not if you look at the definition. The name Abram means father. The name Abraham means father of many nations. In other words, he's saying, I'm gonna take you from just someone who thinks about your sons and your daughters to one who thinks generationally and about the people of the whole world. I'm just telling you that what God wants to do in your life is multiply you. He wants to do something so significant that it goes beyond just you and your kids and your family. When he gets involved in your life, he wants to change your name. He, he came and he told Peter, he said, you're no longer this this fragile reed, but I'm, you're now Peter. You are a rock, and upon this rock, I'm gonna build my church. And he, 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 there's something significant about names to God. Jacob goes from Jacob to Israel. He went from a deceiver and a supplanter to one who wrestles with God and survived. It's an amazing thing that God does. He, he, he wants to show you how significant you are by adjusting your name because in your name is wrapped up your character and your mission. So it doesn't matter what people have called you. It doesn't matter what your mom and dad named you. When the name above all names gives you a new name, that's your name. And so that's, that's, why, that's, why, that's why Paul would tell Timothy, he would say, I am who I am by the grace of God. He, Timothy would, would have this, he was a young man, and so he had this, this young faith. He had this young experience with God, and he, he knew that when he would go out and he would talk to people about his faith, that people would, would question his age. And so he told Timothy, he said, he, he, Timothy said, I am who I am by the grace of God. I'm not who I am because of who my mama named me. I'm not who I am because of who my parents were. I'm not who I am because of my experiences. I'm not who I am because of my background. I am who I am because it's who God says I am. It's an amazing thing. It's an amazing thing what God does. The name above all names wants to give you a new name. <laughs> it's good news for us. And this is why Jesus was so offensive to the Jewish people. Because Jesus came along and started talking about how he was God. And everybody was like, excuse me. They looked at him and said, bro, you're not even 50 years old yet. How can you, how can you be God? You're just a man. John chapter 8, 58, 59, Jesus said, very truly I tell you, before Abraham was born, I am. And the Bible says immediately, they knew what he was trying to say. They knew he was saying he was God. He was the I am that God had declared himself to be to Moses. He said before Abraham was, he didn't say I was, he said I am, because he wanted them to know I am God, and the Bible teaches us that they knew exactly what he's talking about because immediately they picked up stones to throw at him and to kill him. But the I am was able to hide himself <laughs> and slip away from them. You, you, only God can disappear in a crowd. John 10 and 30, the Bible says there, Jesus is talking and he says, I and the Father are one. And, and, and then they pick up stones to stone him again. And Jesus is like, why are you trying to stone me? All I'm, all I'm saying to you is what my father tells me to say. These are good things. They said, we are stoning you not for any good work. We are stoning you for blasphemy because you are a mere man who claims to be God. But Colossians 2 and 9 tells us that in Christ, 
lives all the fullness of God in a human body. They couldn't make sense of it. They couldn't understand how this one God who says, I am the Lord God and beside me there is no other, how could the one true and living God be in heaven and then God himself be in the earth in this man, they didn't understand it. They expected a prophet. They didn't expect God himself to show up on the scene in the form of a man. They didn't expect that. And so they're saying, but, but God is in heaven and you are on the earth. How is that possible? And, and even throughout history, we have a hard time explaining how, how God is one in three persons, how we have this, this, this God who is one God and beside him there is no other, but he also is represented in three different aspects. And and, 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 and when you think about it, it's, it's truly really easy to explain. It's like water. God is like water. Water has three forms. You have the liquid, you have solid, and you have the gas, you have steam. If you take a cup and you throw ice cubes in, in, in a glass of water, that's water in water. It's not different because it's solid, it's the same. So this is, this is how you can explain it to somebody. In your house, in your kitchen, you can have water in your freezer, you can have water coming out of your sink, and you can have water boiling on your stove, but it's all water. That's how we have a God who is three in one. He's one God. You get that? Some of you are like, but, but wait a second. No, don't wait a second. <laughs> don't wait a second. He is, he is like water. He, he can be, he, he, that's why the Bible teaches us that he is omnipresent. He is everywhere all the time. He, he is like water. He, he, in your house, he can, it can be in your fridge, it can be coming out of your sink, and it can be on, on, your, on your stove in a pot creating steam, but it's all water. God is like that. He is, he is one, and they, had, they couldn't wrap their minds around this God. They couldn't, they couldn't understand this, and so because of this, they didn't honor Jesus, and they missed him because they didn't honor who he sent, and they missed salvation because they didn't honor his name. All that call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, what was the name God was saying? What was the name he was making a declaration? This is who I am. In him dwells the fullness of the Godhead bodily. What is the, who, what is the name of God? It's Jesus. The Bible even teaches us that we should baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. What's the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit? It's Jesus, who sums up everything that God is. Who does God fully dwell in? His name is Jesus. Some people are like, well, if, I, if, I, if I'm praying and I say Jesus too much and I don't reference the Father or the Holy Spirit, do they get jealous of one another? No, they can't get jealous of one another. They are the same. The Holy Spirit's not, the steam is not shouting over on the, on the stove. I wish I was in the sink. No, you're the same thing. I wish I was in the, no, you're the same thing. God can't get jealous of himself. You don't offend God if you pray and you say, Father. You don't offend God if you pray and you say, Jesus. You don't offend God if you say, Holy Spirit. He is one God, and beside him, there is no other. That's why Jesus was so offensive. 
Everywhere in scripture, the name of the Lord is exalted in the highest possible terms. Psalm eight and one says, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Psalm 29 and two says, ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Acts 4 and 12 says the apostles proclaimed that there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Romans 10 and 13, Paul assured the Romans that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And in the culminating event of all creation, in Philippians 2, 10 through 11, it says, at the name of Jesus, Every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under heaven and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The Bible does not want us to forget the significance and the importance of his divine name. I just came this morning to encourage you, reverence his name. I remember I was talking to my wife one day, and we were watching, watching television, and in this television show, the, the characters, and, and I don't want to sound like an old-fashioned preacher here, like, just, you know, like, I'm not that guy, but, but, but I want you to hear my, my heart in this. And in this show, they, they just, every, every time something would happen, they'd be like, Jesus. You know what I mean? And they weren't praying. They were just mad. Something happened. They were upset. It'd be like, and his name just kept getting used. And I looked over at my wife and I said, I said, when did, when did that stop offending me? When did it stop hurting my heart that people would throw my God's name around like it didn't mean a thing? Nobody does, nobody stubs their toe and goes, oh, Muhammad. Nobody breaks their finger and goes, oh, Gandhi. Oh, Buddha. Nobody does that. But you probably should. Because those names have no power. They have no authority. And they can be used flippantly because they are false gods. But we serve the true and the living God. And his name should be reverenced among his people. We, we should... See, there's, there's something that's missing, missing in the culture of, of, of American church today, and I, I think it's something that we get afraid of because we, we want to believe that God is a God of love, and we do. But can I tell you something? That loving God and honoring God equals something that the Bible talks about so often, the fear of God. See, I can love God and honor God, and it's called the fear of God. The fear of God in the Bible is not that I'm running around hiding behind something because God is gonna eat me alive or, or knock me dead. No, the fear of the Lord, the Bible teaches, is the beginning of wisdom. It actually, it actually starts this process of me understanding and knowing God. So I, I, start to, I start to walk in the fear of the Lord when I love God and I honor God. So many people love God, but they don't honor him. So many people, so many people, they believe in him, but they don't live like he exists. And when we, when we believe he exists, we truly want to bring honor to his name. I don't wanna become comfortable with people misusing and abusing God's name. I'm not gonna be some legalist that says, don't you cuss in front of me, I'm not that guy. But I don't wanna become comfortable with it. 
I don't want to become comfortable with people just throwing around his name flippantly as if it means nothing. I don't want to become comfortable with me throwing it around as if it means nothing. I don't want to become comfortable with me just praying and using his name and not believing the thing that I'm saying. I don't want to become so routine in my prayer life that he just becomes the thing I sign my prayers with and not the name above all names, the name that every knee will bow and the name that every tongue will confess. Proverbs 14, 27 says, the fear of the Lord is a fountain of life, turning a person from the sound of death. Proverbs 22 enforces true humility and the fear of the Lord lead to riches, honor, and long life. The greatest evidence of our faith is obedience. Remember I told you Luke 6 and 46 says, why do you call me Lord? But you don't even do what I say. When we don't honor his name, it shows up in a few places in our life. When we don't honor his name, we start to crave acceptance from other people. Because when I truly honor his name, then what people think about me doesn't matter to me. When I truly honor his name, it means I'm gonna share my faith. If I don't honor and reverence his name, then I'm, I'm, I'm not, I don't share my faith much, if at all. If I don't honor his name, then I'll rationalize sin in my life. If I don't honor his name, then I'll only turn to God when I need something from him. I'll only give when it's convenient. I'll only show up when it benefits me. Psalm 9 and 10 says, though who, who know your name, trust in you. I wonder if a lack of trust on my part is very often connected to the fact that I don't truly know his name. Because it says, if they know your name, they'll trust you. Some will trust in horses, some will trust in chariots, but we will trust in the name of the Lord our God. So he says to Moses, I am that I am. Tell them I am sent you. Because if you know anything about God and his name, he is everything you need him to be. He's a father to the fatherless. He's a home for the broken. He's a restorer of life. He's the giver of your breath. All power is in his name. All authority is in his name. He's the lily of the valley. He's, he's the rose of Sharon. He's the bright and morning star. He's the prince of peace. He's the everlasting God. He is the, he's a great eternal wonder. His, his name is high and high and lifted up, he is to be honored and reverenced and praised. And I wonder if just in this room today, we can stand on our feet and throw our hands up in the air and just begin to call out his name